Greetings, 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 greetings. What what's today? Today's uh, it's almost the weekend. God damn. Friday. Then you, then you still got me over here. Yeah, man. Oh, right, shit. Damn. <laughs> well, guys, um, welcome to episode nine of the Danzo Financial Podcast. I am your host, Charles Danzo. I'm here with. There's only one other person today, unfortunately. The other two, I don't know what they're doing, but we're gonna give you some good content today. We have a lot going for you. I want to uh, first shout out our Spotify listeners as well as Apple Podcasts and YouTube viewership. Daniel, how you feeling today? I'm feeling great, man. It's good to be back here. As you can see, we're in a different setting. Got the couch right here. Yo, relax. Like, yo, you're so you tense. Know. Just chill. Relax a little bit. Yeah, exactly. You know, how, how was work today, by the way? Work was great, man. They, it's Friday. So. You know, it's funny. They actually think we just do this as a nine to five, which is yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, secrets out, people. Well, we work full time jobs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, today we have a special, 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 special episode for you guys. I know a lot of you guys don't know, but it's actually tax season coming up. We're not talking about just individual taxes. We have a a good a good individual, a good friend of mine, somebody I've known for a little bit now. A very, very knowledgeable in, in guy. I'm not I'm not even going, you know, I'm gonna stop dick eating. Gerald, how you doing today, man? I'm all right, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you feeling good? Yeah, I'm feeling real good. Oh, man, how, how how's your week, man? Uh it's been it's been back and forth. Um I've been kinda, you know, looking forward to today since okay. uh, last Friday when you gave me the call. So I kinda been trying to make sure I was as prepared as I could possibly be be for you guys today so i can kind of you know deliver to you know some of your listeners you know yeah, give I'm some glad, good stuff i'm glad you came all the way here you know i'm not gonna tell where, where you coming from because you know where I came from. okay yeah. all right that's good all right my philly folk we got philly people in here shout out to philly exactly exactly you we know? show love too man meek ain't the only one getting getting numbers out here <laughs> yo. meek ain't the only one exactly exactly yo so Basically, like, you know, um, this episode, what we kind of wanted to present to you guys is just have a better understanding of, you know, just tax structure, tax understanding, and have just a better understanding of when you're doing your taxes, even for your business, how you could probably do it, the things you're doing right and wrong. But before we get into that, Joe, I do want um, the audience to get a better understanding of exactly what you do and why, why are you here? I mean, yeah. Okay, so um, just to give you a little bit about my, my, myself and my background, I started in accounting in uh, 2012. I worked here in New York. Um, I started with a, a law firm here on uh, Fifth Ave, actually, on Wild God Show. And uh, I worked in the accounting department. I worked my way up, went to a, a, an executive coaching firm as an accountant there, too. I was regional accountant coordinator there. But I wanted to become a CPA. I wouldn't have the people there that um, could actually certify my hours, so I went to big four accounting firm, PricewaterhouseCoopers, where I served in asset management. Uh, I worked on a few cases on Wall Street. Then I also did time in the sports practice where I worked on the NBA, the NFL, and then I went to the Entertainment Media and Communications Division. And at the, after that was when I decided that um, I wanted to branch out and start my own company. So I started Thompson Tax LLC back in February of 2017. And with the idea that I was, um, you know, it's funny, when I left, a lot of people, you know, said, how, do I, how would I get clients to come to me or how would I build my own clientele? And I just looked at all of the young people in the urban communities that I knew for the most part, and I said they make money. They just kind of need somebody to show them what to do with it. And I'm just taking the training that I got, working with people from, you know, upper tax brackets or whatnot, and I'm basically 
gifting those strategies to, to you know people that remind me more of myself so now i'm in the process of just creating more thousandaires like uh, everybody wants to hit the home run and focus on the millionaire while i'm getting my ground base of thousandaires together i'm making sure everybody's tax compliant i'm making sure people are starting their businesses getting their paperwork the right way and then now i'm um, also to um uh, outside of being a cpa i'm an irs enrolled agent so if people have uh, issues with the IRS or whatnot, I also help them represent themselves and get into installment agreements to make sure that they're they're tackling that debt head first and it's not chasing them so that they can be financially free at some point. And then ultimately, we get to real estate. Also, uh, hold a couple of real estate licenses in a couple of different states so I can help entrepreneurs create streams of passive income for themselves as well. So that's kind of what I like to give all of the people that work with me so I could just make sure that any entrepreneur or anybody individual that wants to, you know, be in a better space financially, I just wanted to create a one-stop shop for them. So anything financial, whether it's student loan debt consolidation, IRS tax debt consolidation, just tax compliance, starting a business, bookkeeping, all of that stuff buying real estate i just want to make sure that when they come to me they can leave with a solution so that's pretty much why why i organized thompson tax llc well there you have it folks a man with many talents and many skills and many licenses we'll probably have to get you on another show here because <laughs> we're talking a lot of stuff real estate yeah, yeah we're going to talk off of this. don't worry about that <laughs> but the the topic today is we want to discuss tax now you talked about different uh tax papers that certain people have to fill out. I think we should just start off from a basic level. What type of tax papers would young business owners have to be aware of when they're starting their business and as they're, as we get closer to the tax filing season, what can we hope to expect? Okay, so it, it really starts out with how you structure your business in the beginning. Each business has a different structure. Once you get your tax identification number, depending on how many people you put on the actual application for your tax identification number, is going to determine what tax form you need to file at year end. So for instance, if it was two or more people that organized the company in the beginning, more than likely you're gonna be a 1065, which is a partnership. That's the tax form you need to file at the end of the year. If you wanna go into the S-Corp structure, you're filing an 1120S. If you don't choose to do anything and it's just you're just a single individual starting a company, you're you're going to file what's called a Schedule C. And the difference is the 1065 and the 1120 are separate entities from your individual tax, uh, 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 your individual 1040. So the 1120 and the 1065 have to be filled out separately. And they produce a form, what is called the K-1. That K-1 then goes back to your individual tax return while your Schedule C is filed with your individual tax return. So they're essentially pass-through entities, the 1065 and the 1120S, and then the Schedule C is something that's attached to the entrepreneur himself on his, on his original tax return, if that makes sense. So coming towards those deadlines, those are the forms you wanna focus on based on the type of entity that you've structured. Now, to, to put this in layman's terms, you're saying that there are different there are different levels depending on what you decide to do. So proprietorship, if you wanted to do um, an LLC, or if you wanted to join join partnership, and depending on what you do is depending on how you're going to file your taxes. Now, which one of those out of that list would you have to be uh, cognizant of your personal income tax on the business versus 
what the business tax is. So the, the, the LLC filed as a sole, pr sole proprietorship. So that means if you're just a, a single member entity, meaning one person goes and files an LLC, nine times out of 10, that's the guy that's gonna have the, the tax return that coincides with his original tax return, where a separate tax return wouldn't need to be filed outside of that one. Because a Schedule C is just an attachment to your 1040, whereas an 1120 or a 1065, those are completely separate tax returns and they have to be filed separately from your individual return. Whereas the Schedule C is filed with your individual tax return. So it's, it's, it's an essentially an attachment. Okay, I mean, that that's that's a good um, thing I kind of want to, I want to keep you at, um, f because the question I want to ask um, that, you know, for me, I don't, I don't really, I understand the basic of stuff of this. I don't really understand it in depth. So I think having you on kind of just helps the audience so for the audience, and I know we discussed this before, if you could give us a difference between being an employee versus what a business owner as, a, as it pertains to that taxation, if you could give that breakdown. Okay, so that's a great question. So most of us are, you know, we may come from a background where, you know, we worked before we decided to go start our own company. You know, whether you needed to save money or you came right out of school, you needed to, to increase your capital position before you branched out and started a business. There are some inherent differences that you need to be aware of when you go to start a business. For one, when you're working for someone, your employer is responsible for half of your FICA taxes. Your FICA taxes are your Social Security and your Medicare taxes, and they come to 7.65% of your paycheck when you're working for someone. Your employer is responsible for paying the other 7.65%. But when you're a sole proprietor, you pay the entire 15.3%, and most people aren't aware of that. So when you become a business owner, you need to devise a strategy or impl implement a plan where you're setting those assets aside to pay the IRS and to pay the state on a quarterly basis. Otherwise, at the end of the year, you'll get hit with the underpayment penalties and fines on top of, you know, just this mountain of tax debt that you weren't used to paying by yourself because before someone was paying it for you. So you essentially go from having someone taking care of your taxes for you, taking what's necessary out of check, out of every check, sending it off to the places that it needs to be, and you just get a tax form at the end of the year. When you run your own business, no one is doing that for you anymore. So now you are responsible for 100% of your tax liability, and if you don't pay it, yes, they're coming to get it with penalties and interest on top of it. So to combat that, what you're gonna kinda wanna do is, you're gonna, not kinda, what you're gonna wanna do is, you're gonna wanna have some sort of accounting process in place. If you don't wanna hire an accountant, there are a number of technologies out there like QuickBooks, Xero, a few others that you could actually have cloud-based accounting built into, meaning if you get your business account logged into it and you're swiping your card and you're receiving income into this business account, it automatically goes into the software. Now, when it goes into the software, your financial statements are being, oh, your financial statements are being created. When your financial statements are being created, that's how you are essentially determining the income that you're going to need to pay taxes on on a quarterly basis. And then furthermore, a lot of those softwares also have a payroll function built into it where they will cal calculate your payroll taxes and allow you to remit them and even remind you when it's time to remit those taxes on a quarterly basis. So that's a quick solution for all the entrepreneurs out there that kind of want to get it done by themselves and don't want to use an accountant. So that's something that you guys could kind of look into to kind of make sure that you remain compliant because nothing dampens a, a financial plan like not 
understanding that you're about to owe five figures in taxes at the end of the year, and that's not going anywhere. And I think that's a very important thing you brought up about having that uh, that understanding of the liability towards owning your business. And I think that if you have a list of all of those applications that entrepreneurs can use, like QuickBooks and et cetera, I would love to provide a list to our audience and we'll uh, definitely have that for towards the end of the show. But getting more towards uh, actually owning your business and wanting employees, what would be the tax differences between having employees for your business versus having independent contractors? That's a great question. I'm about to save a lot of lives with this answer. Most people think you have a choice. You don't. If someone comes to work for you and you tell them what to do and they don't have an LLC and they don't have business insurance, they are your employee. There is no writing them off at 1099 because if they blow the whistle on you, you're going to be in trouble. And I actually teach a lot of independent contractors about this because I see a lot of business owners screw these independent contractors because they're, they're, they're being treated as if they're employees but get having tax liabilities as if they're business owners. The, the business owners don't even tell these people, hey, I'm treating you like a business owner. So when you're getting your MTA on your way into work, write that off. When you go out and you do something for me, you got to buy lunch on the road, write that off. Any expense that you incur for this job, any like portion of your cell phone bill, if I'm asking you to use internet at home, write a portion of that off. They don't even have the decency to tell people that sometimes. And what people are not realizing is you're being taxed on that whole 15. That See, that self-employment tax, that's in addition to your federal tax and your state tax. That's completely different. You pay federal tax and you pay state tax. When you own a business or someone 1099 you, you also have to pay the self-employment tax. That's that 15.3% again. So what you want to really focus on is it when I come to this place, do I do what I want or does, does someone tell me what to do? Do I have my own LLC? Do I have my own business insurance? If the answers to those questions are no, then you are someone's employee and they need to treat you that way. If they are not, if you go in and you, basically if someone, if you, we told somebody to come in and paint the walls or whatnot and we, we hired, we contracted a painter, we're not going to tell him anything but what color we want painted. We're not going to tell him what brushes to use, how many people he could come in. He's probably got his own LLC, his own business insurance. That's an independent contractor. But if you guys had someone come in today and they're under the umbrella of your company, and they literally do everything you say in the capacity of an assistant or some, some something of this sort. That's an employee of yours. You can't effectively write him off as a 1099 employee. And I see most people, most employers do that so they could avoid the hassles of payroll and paying payroll taxes. But that's not the right way to go about it at all. And if you get caught, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't want to be you if you if you're the business that gets caught doing that because people like the IRS takes like employment. In, like the, in that capacity, very serious. Because that's how they make most of their money, off of payroll taxes. Well, what is, what is um, for the audience, what is, uh, give me, I'm going to ask you a twofer. What is exactly payroll taxes in a definition standpoint, as well as write-offs? What are the effects in terms of the negatives and positives of write-offs? All right. So payroll taxes are basically your FICA and Medicare. So that essentially makes up 15.3% of what you're going to earn 
and that's what needs to be remitted to the IRS on top of what you owe them from a federal tax perspective. So everybody has a tax bracket. So you may be in a 15%, 20, 25% tax bracket. So on top of the FICA taxes, you also have your federal taxes. So just holding on to those and remitting those on behalf of your employees, that's what I'm referring to when I say payroll taxes. And in regards to write-offs, you can write off anything that you need to, like the expense that you need to run your business, any expense that's necessary for you to make money in your business, you can write it off. But why you want to be careful of that is when you want to do things outside of your business. Let's say you decide you want to go all the way in, 100% entrepreneur. And then you go two years, you got the whole two years in business or whatever that banks want to see, and you want to maybe go buy real estate because that's usually the, the order of operation that I see people moving. First, they start the business, they work it a couple years, and then they decide they want to create some streams of passive income because you're going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life those two years, and now you're looking for a way to be able to relax a little bit. So now you want to go to a loan officer. People go right off crazy in those first couple years so that they don't have to pay taxes. But now you're sitting in front of a loan officer, and what he's looking at is your last two years of net income. So when he looks at those last two years of net income and you don't wrote everything off, he's not giving you money because you're showing him that you don't make any money. So that's, that's really the, the, the downside of the write-offs. But in regards to writing off, you technically are allowed to write off anything that you needed to write off to, to, to basically run your business. But just don't get carried away. I see people go to these accountants and they start trying to write off groceries and all this other stuff that's just unnecessary. And all they're doing is just dragging their bottom line to the floor. Don't get so caught up in not paying taxes that you forget that the real goal is to accumulate wealth. Very, very nice, gems. Are you still awake? Because <laughs> we're still here. <laughs> very nice, gems. Um, for the audience, as you can see from... This uh, podcast is very, very technical, and we're uh, definitely going to make it so that it's easy to digest and understand as we go forward. It's a lot of terms being thrown at you guys. It's a lot of terms being thrown at us. I'm taking mental notes of all of this, and it's like, wow. Um, but, you know, just on the topic of write-offs, what would you consider to be an acceptable write-off? And kind of, I guess, explain more what you mean by when you say if we write off to a certain extent, it would appear as we are not making any net income for our business. Okay, all right. So I want you to be authentic about your write-offs, but what I'm saying is the people, I get people who just want to write off so much that they show no income. And what I'm saying to people like that is like they're usually fishing for expenses that don't apply to anything. They're asking me to help them write off things that don't really necessarily make them money in their business. They're going on trips that have nothing to do nothing to do with the company. And yeah, no one may come check. But at the end of the day, you're writing and on top of like writing off stuff that's illegitimate. You're basically like doing something to your numbers that's going to make them unusable to you in the future. So you can technically write off anything that you need to write off to make money. So if you got to book conference rooms, you got to go on trip, you got to travel, you got to put somebody like me on a train. Like those are things that you can write off because they were necessary for your company. But what I'm saying is, when you're doing that, if you're trying to write off excessive things like maybe a flight to 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 Miami or something like that, and no stop going to DR. That's what he's telling yeah, y'all. Pretty much, and writing not gonna this say stuff who usually does it, but I think you guys know. <laughs> 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 yeah, so 
Yeah, and then when you bring it down to zero, essentially you've achieved your mission or accomplished your, your mission of not paying taxes, but now you have no purchasing power. Like you have no use. Basically, you don't have a W-2 anymore because you left your job, and now you're showing these loan officers or these interested third parties that you don't make any money. So essentially your name on paper is nothing. Like, you don't have any income attached to your name anymore. So that's what I'm saying about write-offs and just being careful about what you write, like, how much you're writing off. And if your business is losing money genuinely, okay. But if you're just writing off excessive stuff that doesn't belong there, one, your financials are unusable. Because when we look back at 2019, at the end of 2019, and you wrote off stuff that had nothing to do with the business, how could you really know for sure what's authentic and how your business truly performed? And then on top of that, you've written your net worth. You've written your net worth down to zero, so you want to be careful of that. Okay, that's that's good. Um, for 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 the audience, I I hope you guys are definitely paying attention and gathering at least some bit of information. I'm not gonna lie to you and say I understand everything he was saying here, but uh. I got the general information. That's what's most important. Um, for Gerald, I want to ask a question though. A lot of a lot of people are moving into the small business scope. A lot of companies have become public, started as small business companies. Now, I'm going to still stay, stay on the tax side, but I'm going to ask you, I don't, I'm not going to pay attention to this. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm a business owner, but I don't know the exactly timely dates of when I have to file taxes, if my company should file taxes, what quarter to file taxes with. So, what do you what do you think is the best route for a business owner to keep up with these things while still having to manage the day to day job maybe of a nine to five and also managing your actual company? So how would I know that? Oh, I have to file this at this time. How do I know that? Oh, this is what if I'm going for a loan and I'm doing all these write offs. Like, how is this going to affect if I already get a loan or I'm not going to get a loan? Excuse me. But what I mean to say is do you believe that it's just best to just hire an accountant or just maybe like, I don't know, I got to read what, CPA for dummies? I don't know. Like, what, what do I have to do? So what I would say to anyone that's trying to, to run a successful business, if you're really like, let me just explain to you a little bit about my background. I started studying for the CPA exam in about 2012. It took long nights, hours and hours and hours, months, years of study to pass my exams, to get my, my necessary hours at PWC, and to get my 150 credits from an accredited university to be able to come to become a CPA. Then I took the extra step of going to study for the IRS additional certification. And then from there, like I've been beating on my craft month after month, day after day, hour after hour since I've been in this position. So what I'm saying to someone else is you're not going to like not saying you're not smart enough to you're not going to be able to do what I can do with your accounting department the way that I can do it because I devoted my life to it. There is a ton of software and the stuff that can make your life easier, but there's nothing that's going to help you out like somebody that's committed to that position in your organization. I mean, like someone, because you're, when, that was exactly what I was going to say to you when you said, should I just hire an accountant? I said, exactly. That's exactly what it sounds like you need because you're trying to manage the day-to-day. -day. How are you going to turn around and file taxes, know when stuff is due? That shouldn't even be your job to understand anymore. But you guys are kind of expensive, said the audience member. You know what's more expensive? What? Not having me. Oh, shit. That's even more expensive, mm. not having me. Mm. 
mm-hmm. because I see a lot of people that try to avoid the expense at first and then they make that expense that they make that mistake or they, they push something off a little bit too long and then the IRS comes and now I'm even more expensive because now I got to shield them off of you go back correct what you didn't do then come forward with all of that information and then I got to go make sure you're tidied up at the state and local level as well so you might as well just work with me in the beginning because I'll have a low e- affordable monthly bookkeeping rate that'll keep your numbers tight I'll be the one letting you know when stuff is due when to file if you need to file what the strategy would be we can look at your cash flow and all that kind of stuff to see when you need to be paying stuff out and all of that that would be my function in, in your organization especially if you're trying to grow and you're at a point where you're managing different things in the company you need a guy in your back pocket that knows what your pocket looks like that's true mm-hmm Pay now or pay later. Exactly. And I'm not just saying that because I'm the accountant. I just seen nah, it go He said, don't be Wesley sniped. Exactly. That's all he said. Exactly. <laughs> all right, Dan, you got some? Of course. You know, I'm just digesting everything he's saying. There's a lot of terms being thrown. And I think that for the audience, I think they want to, I guess, get a more understanding of when it comes time to file and actually do the taxes how first off i I think that this should be kind of like addressed because we learned this in school right we learned that there's the cash method there's the accrual method how applicable is that really in uh, obviously it is applicable but is it really that important to know which one you choose to operate your business? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the difference is really this. If you're going to have investors come invest in your company, you need capital infusions, you, you, you need to raise capital for, any, for an expansion or something like that, they are going to want to see the accrual basis of accounting perform because the accrual method shows you the most current condition of the financial statements. And the reason that it does is because when you book revenue under the accrual method, you have to book revenue when it's earned and you have to book expenses when they're incurred and I'll give you an example let's say we wanted to we wanted to get over on the investors so what we would do is we would use the cash method if we wanted to inflate our income and the reason that we would do that is we would show all the income that we can make that we made in 2019 right but let's say we let our expenses stack up and we pushed our expenses into 2020, which is when we would pay them. Now, when we give them that 1231 income statement, they're only gonna see the income that we made for the year and they'll never know about the expenses we push into the next year because under the cash basis, you only write all, you only include revenue when you receive the cash and you only record expenses when you pay out the expense. So if we pay out the expense in the following year, they're not gonna see that until then. Whereas in the accrual method, we have to book the revenue when we earn it Meaning if we earned a revenue in 2019, we have to book it then, and we have to book the expenses when we incur them. So if somebody did work for us in 2019, we have to book that work in 2019. So those expenses and those revenues show up when they're supposed to, not when we want them to show up. But the IRS mandates that we pay taxes based on a cash basis. Another way to say a cash basis statement is tax basis statement. So they they make us pay things based on what we received in cash and what we paid out in cash. But investors or anybody that has an interest, a financial interest in our company, we have to show them those numbers on an accrual basis because it's just more accurate. And there is an applicable (laughs) way to uh, address what we learn in school, fellas, for gentlemen, ladies, um, everyone who's an accountant and is sitting into those uh, introductory accounting classes. I can't fucking stand Daniel. He's so fucking Hollywood. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> oh, man. So, 
<laughs> well, you now I got a question though. This is a personal question. Is how, how the how the fuck did Amazon pay zero dollars on taxes? I knew you was gonna. I was ask waiting for that, that man. You know, I had to ask that question. Listen, I I read up on it. I looked into it, and what it looks like was um they paid some taxes. They had some provisions working for them, and all I kept seeing was all of the money that they made from 2011 to 2018. So honestly, man, I would have to be there to tell you. I just know at the corporate level, you have a lot of deductions and a lot of credits that are available to you under the C the C corp uh, tax laws. So I'm pretty sure they got a mean accounting team that's looking into everything they could possibly look into because Amazon isn't just domicile in the United States of America. That's a global conglomerate. You get what I'm saying? So it's just a lot that going on so to understand that strategy is just a lot more than people realize you got consolidated companies that are rolling up into into the parent company and it's just a lot going on with amazon so honestly i can't give you that question because i'm not there. i can't give you that response because i'm not there and every article that i read it seemed like they, they were even admitting in wall street journal all right this is what it seems like happened like nobody really knows man but from 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 a tax guy's perspective there are a ton of credits deductions provisions that people like that companies like that are privy to because of of the different situations that they're in in all these different countries like i have some clients that write books or something like that and then they go and they like sell the books and publish the books and different dom in, in, in different uh countries and regions or whatnot and then they get credits from the united states of them or from those countries to the u.s for the money that they make over there so to and i'm just seeing that at this level those people aren't grossing nearly as much as amazon is and i'm seeing the type of you know treatment that they're getting so i'm pretty sure it's all of that mixed into one pot upon in in, in the year that they didn't pay taxes they did actually pay taxes that year they just didn't owe anything they paid like 129 million in taxes that year so it's not like they didn't make nothing i mean they didn't pay jeff nothing. bezos we have the secret for yeah because they said he jeff. was supposed to get a refund of a crazy amount too maybe 450 million or something like that so i mean whatever they're doing over there they're doing it right that's 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 what i mean that's what happened when you pay accountants. That that type of result. Imagine if they tried to do it by themselves in house and didn't hire the best people that are actually doing it. They made billions of dollars and they're paying no taxes at the end of the year. That's what I mean about accounting. Fucking Jeff, you asshole. New <laughs> secrets. Exactly. So I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit. I know we're talking a lot about taxes and we're still going to stay on that, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs who don't necessarily run a, a product and sales type of business, but more so want to go into real estate, have the sort of independent real estate investing kind of uh, mantra to them. So I kind of wanted to just touch upon the real estate tax, if you're privy to that in any way. So real estate tax is just capital gains. You buy it at a price, you sell it at another price, and then um, the profit is essentially called capital gains, and you pay you know capital gains tax on that, depending on the bracket that you're in, or how much money you make from the sales. So that's pretty much how you how you assess the tax liability for that. What is capital gains for the audience, please? Um, I buy a I buy a property at a hundred thousand. I sell it at two hundred thousand. My profit was a hundred thousand dollars. Profit is just a, a synonym for capital gains in that case. Now, what if you want to hold the property? Same thing applies. Mm. And what would the capital gains be on holding the property? Same and thing. It out? 
Say, um, well, you pay, you pay that 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 produce a schedule E for you, and you're going to pay taxes at your ordinary income tax rate. So that's basically saying if you were going to pay taxes on the money that you made from your job at 25 percent, you're going to pay the same taxes on the real estate that the um your your rental income from the year as well. So if you made twelve thousand dollars profit on your rental income for the year, you're going to pay 25 percent taxes on that because that's your ordinary income rate. And the buy and hold is still the same thing. So if you hold the property one year or 10 years and you sell it for 90, I'm sorry, you sell it at uh, 200,000 and you bought it at 100, the capital gains is still the same. But there is one caveat to that. If you live in a property for two out of the last five years and you own a property, when you sell it, there's something called a Homeowners Exclusion Act where you could exclude up to $250,000 of the gain if you're single and $500,000 of the gain if you're married. That's why real estate and businesses are the best vehicles to become wealthy in America. Oh, that's where all the tax breaks are. Now yeah. that's something I didn't know. Yep. And so if, if you bought a property for a hundred, sold it for three fifty, but you lived in it for like two of the last five years and you own the property, that two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you don't pay no taxes on it. And if you're married, it goes up to five hundred K. For all my real estate investors out there, you just got a one oh one on the taxes. Uh, that does include property tax too, right? If you hold the property. So property taxes is something that gets written off during the year. So, and but but that gets capped at $10,000 now cuz Donald Trump changed the rules a little bit. So, now your your property taxes uh get capped at $10,000 so you can't write out any write off anything over that. Your state taxes and your property taxes are combined. And as long as they're under $10,000, you can write the whole amount off. But if they exceed that, you get capped at 10 k So that's something that you will itemize throughout the year. But you want to be careful because if your itemized deduction don't exceed your standard deduction, then you don't want to do it. Case in point, let's say the interest you paid on your loan was $1,000, but your property and state taxes that you paid for the year was 10. That means your total tax in that situation was $11,000 with taxes plus the interest, but your standard deduction is being single in America is 12000 So your standard deduction is greater in that case. So you don't want to itemize that year. You just want to use your standard deduction. But if, the, if it was different and you paid maybe $5,000 in interest and your standard deduction is 12 that year and your property taxes and state taxes were 10, it's 10 plus 5 gives you the 15K to itemize or you could take the 12000 and use your standard deduction. So in that case, it makes sense to use your, your, your 1098E and write off the property taxes and the interest on your loan. And just for the audience who may or may not know, uh, what do you mean when you say standard deduction? Um, so there are several standard deductions, um, and they correlate with your filing status. So if you're single, it's 12,000. If you're head of household, meaning you have at least one dependent, that's 18,000. And then if you're married filing jointly, that's 24,000. So basically you just tell them to read. <laughs> that kind of makes sense. <laughs> Most people don't read the, the tax forms. So. And get an accountant. If you ain't trying to read and get an accountant, man, that's the best advice I can give you. Okay. Just play it safe. It's worth it. You have any questions for us? Mm, no, I ain't, I ain't prepared for that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I mean, this was great. Um, really dropped a lot of knowledge that I'm still trying to soak in, and I'm sure the audience will hopefully replay this episode to get those gems, get those, in, get those jewels that you've been dropping. And for all of us, how would we get in contact with you? How I was just about to ask to if I could do that. Yes. All right. So you can find me on Instagram at the underscore tax 
underscore breaker. That's the underscore T-A-X underscore breaker, B-R-E-A-K-E-R. Uh, my website is www.ttaxllc.com, or you can find me on Facebook at Jarrell M. Thompson, CPA, E-A. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty I'm pretty responsive. I usually respond to people within the same day when you reach out to me via any of those mediums. So I'm very easy to get in contact with. Or you can reach out to Charles or Dan. They can get a, they can reach out to me too. Oh no, we appreciate it. Thank you, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you for having us. Um, well, yeah, I would say thank you for having us. Actually, yeah, because <laughs> you took time to come see us. Yeah, so all the way from <laughs> Philly, man. Anytime man. y'all want, man, we can do this. I like this. Oh no, it's cool. <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, we got a little bit of time, I guess. Now, I'm, I ain't gonna lie, I'm get out of here in like ten minutes. The weekend coming up, but <laughs> but nah, what what we kind of wanted to get for the audience, and I kind of wanted to take time to kind of um, say to you guys again, a lot of us, a lot of you guys that follow us, I know are business owners that have businesses, kind of don't have that understanding because we've had discussions. I know people, myself included, don't really doesn't really understand a lot of the stuff that um he just kind of spoke to gerald so i think for the audience that's listening in it's definitely important to have the necessarily knowledge i would say i'm not even just saying it just because this is our podcast but if you have to go back and re-watch this a couple times it's only like 35 to 40 minutes we made it short for you guys so we don't bore you to death i know i've, I've sat in counting classes i get it but Again, it's something that's important because this is the real world now. It's not college anymore, high school. So it's something that if you are running a business, I think like 80-some percent of the world now has small businesses. So it's something that has to be in your head, has to be ingratiated in your head. And like he said, I, I'm, I'm hiring this guy after this because this something I'm not, I'm not going to understand. I'm not trying to fuck myself up and fuck up the business. So I need to give it to the professionals, and that's him. So I would definitely say reach out to him, reach out to individuals like him. Um, if you guys want to get in contact, like he said, just reach out to us at Danzo Financial Group. You guys already know. I will hope you know if you're listening to this because that's how you listen to this podcast in the first place. So definitely reach out to us and, you know, we'll give you the information. But again, don't try to do it yourself So and don't fuck it up so you get yourself and you get your teammates in trouble as well. One thing I do want to ask, though, um, before we get you off, what do you think about, like, um, like uh, women that have, like, um, the hair companies? And the reason why I ask that is because I see they make a lot of fucking money, man. That's big business, man. I, I have a couple clients in that, uh, in that industry, and they always do well. But what I would say is to, to, for, for women that own beauty companies, any type of beauty company, I think that they don't always tap into all of the things that are available to them. They don't they don't tap into the ancillary products, meaning like if you own a hair salon, why do why are people still leaving your shop to go buy products? Like you know that a lot of women are investing in hair care products, hair care regimes, wigs and all that stuff. If you got the space in your shop, why don't you just try to do more of it? See, that's how most businesses scale up. They start focusing on what you come to them for, and then they start thinking about all of the other things that piggyback off of that. So for anybody in those spaces, just try to think about the thing that you're not doing that also coincides with the space so so, th- so that you can do it even more. Because there are times like, the, you know, looks change, times change. So you got to kind of remain versatile and kind of keep more streams open. Like, like just for instance, in myself, like, all right, I was doing tax 
taxes and accounting, but I, there are other financial services that I could tap into. So if you're doing hair, hair care products, hair care regimes, uh, skin care routines, skin care products, like bringing other professionals in that do what you do, other influencers to collaborate amongst the brands, all that stuff really helps you take your, your, your brand to the next level. And honestly, like I, every chance I get, I try to partner with a company that's a beauty salon or they're into a, a women beauty or anything like that. Cause it's a billion dollar industry and it's never going anywhere. Women love looking beautiful. So with that being said, like I would just encourage women in that space or men in that space to really just focus on all of the things that come inherent with the actual process because that's how you're really going to maximize your earning potential when you're in a space like that. So just focus on the things that surround your actual product or service and try to offer that as well. You got anything? That was great to hear. I mean, that's focusing uh, more so on the industry that you're in and getting the macro understanding of everything versus the micro. So thank you for that. And that also branches into a lot of uh, opportunity for, I mean, we talked a lot enough about tax for right now, but <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm sure that that there's um tax benefits. My my, my last, I, I do have one last. I'm, I'm gonna let you speak, Dan. I do have one last question. What do you think for a company that's let's say, would you work with a company that's been for like let's say two three years or just starting off, but there's no real profitability gains behind them as a business? Do you work with those type of companies as well? Those are the best opportunities, if you ask me, because those are opportunities. Those those companies may not have as much capital to pay me in the beginning, which is when I look at the company and see what type of service they're offering. There may be an equity opportunity in there because if my skill skill set match with yours can get your business to the next level, but you don't have the capital to pay me right now, then maybe I'll take another I take another approach because why would I let a great idea die? When I got the skill set to get to the next level and the only thing missing is money, but we can make money together. So I don't really let profitability uh, deter me from working for someone. As long as the person has an open mind and realize that I'm not trying to get over on them, I'm just trying to make sure that you understand my wealth, my worth as well so that we can work together and get your idea to where it needs to go. So I, I typically look into companies that way as well. So I'm really not opposed to it. I don't always do it because I can't run my business off 100% of companies like that. But when I see a unique opportunity, I definitely try to tap into it and see if the person is willing to take on the opportunity like that. Because, I mean, if they continue to run a business that way and it's not profitability, 100% of nothing is nothing. Mm. So, you know, if I could just get them to understand that, listen, you got a great idea. I think we can scale this thing if we just switch a few things around, introduce you to a new market, get some new niches out there or whatnot and do X, Y and Z. Maybe we can work together, scale this up and maybe we can both profit off of this. So if people are open to that mindset when they don't have the money, I'm not opposed to it. It just starts with a really good idea, something that isn't being done, something that you've done and you've thought up by yourself that's kind of different from anything that we've seen done thus far something that's kind of patentable like you get what i'm saying like a service that's just that unique when i see opportunities like that i kind of dig in mm. otherwise i just need to see a very healthy gross and just see that you messing up with the expenses or something like that and you may not be able to pay me for that and then that's 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 you know it seems more feasible to do okay perfect well, Gerald, we really want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been an amazing and very informative show for us. Um, this podcast very technical. We've discussed a lot of things. 
We've talked about differences between being an employee, independent contractor. We've talked about the different levels of tax forms that you have to be cognizant of. So I'm very glad that you came out here. And for the audience, you already know the drill. This will be on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, SoundCloud. Be sure to watch out for the video on YouTube. We don't use SoundCloud anymore. Scratch that. We don't use SoundCloud anymore. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Sorry, SoundCloud. You, y'all, well, I wasn't getting it. We, we moving up now. So. <laughs> 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 no, but in all seriousness, guys, definitely check out this episode once it drops. By the time you guys hear this, I'll be in Hotlanta. Jerry will be back in Philly. I don't know what Daniel does, but he'll be doing something, so. <laughs> and make sure to share this with everybody, please. This is very valuable information. Yeah, share it. exactly. Share, tag whoever. If if you guys don't understand this, bring this to your accountant and just play this podcast in front of him or her. And so so and then just see if the per, if he's t- saying what is is true or what is not true. Because I think this is valuable information. Again, you don't have to understand it, but just listen to it. That's all we're saying. That's why we bring this podcast to you guys is just to give you guys a valuable information. I do want to thank you guys personally. We made it to episode nine. Even though it is a small start, it's definitely a good thing. We're about to hit the teens, so I'm definitely thankful for that, guys. Check us out. By the time this drops, like I said, I'll be in some hot weather. I'm getting the hell out of here. All right, guys. I'll see you. Thank you. Right, thank guys. you. Thank you, sir. All right. No Appreciate problem. it. Thank you, man. All right, man.